Hi friends, Gerald Law here. Welcome to the Love Lake Norman podcast. Love Lake Norman is a church in Cornelius, North Carolina, whose mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. You're about to hear a message that will be helpful and hopeful. Our goal is to encourage you to take the next step in your faith. Wherever you are, we want you to know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Thanks for spending time with us today. We hope you enjoy this message. So I did a science experiment at the beginning of this series uh, with a soda can and boiling water. And the idea was that you could boil water in a can, you could drop it quickly into cold water and there's a change in the pressure. And, and so for a split second, the external pressure becomes greater than the resistance on the inside of the can and the can is crushed. And, and like amazingly, even though science was never my uh, strong suit, I actually got it to work at least one time. So, so like that can, if, if you don't want the pressure on the outside of life to crush you, you need to be solid on the inside. You need to be full. There needs to be life happening on the, the inside of you. Your spiritual life is important. The condition of your soul is critical. Now this series that we've called Life Under Pressure, we're at the conclusion of our journey through the book of Colossians today. And the author of that book, a guy named Paul, has been talking about how to live facing all kinds of pressure. What he's been saying over and over and over again in all kinds of different ways is that the best way to deal with pressure is to cultivate a rich inner life. The best way to deal with pressure is to begin to really truly follow Jesus. And in the last chapter of the book of Colossians, chapter four, Paul gives us three final ways to respond to pressure. And and at first glance, they seem a little disconnected from each other, but when you look closer at it, they're really all tied together. And he's answering the question that he's asked and then answered over and over and over again in this amazing letter. How should Christians respond to pressure? And he starts with how we should respond internally, on the inside, in our hearts, in our souls, because what happens on the inside, like the can, eventually shows on the outside. We can't fake a Christian life on the outside, but have no life change and nothing going on and be empty on the inside. So he starts there, and here's what he says. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. In other words, if you want to withstand the pressures from the outside, but but aren't talking to God regularly, you're leaving a major piece of the puzzle out. Paul's saying, hey, you cannot do this life on your own. You need to ask regularly for help. You need to connect yourself with your Father in heaven who loves you and has your best interests in mind. How do you do that? Paul says, devote yourself to prayer. Now, there's a difference between dabbling in something and devotion. I I, I dabble in certain things, in hobbies, like golf. Uh, or playing guitar, or like being a Charlotte Hornets fan, but there's a difference in that and full devotion. Devotion is putting my will into something. It's an act of commitment. Abraham Lincoln in the Gettysburg Address stood on a battlefield where over 50,000 men had given their lives to an idea that was greater than themselves, and he said that they gave the last full measure of devotion. Paul says, devote yourself to prayer. In other words, Don't just dabble in it like a hobby, make it a priority. He says, do it being watchful and thankful. He uses those two words, watchful and thankful. Let the content of your prayer be watchfulness 
In other words, I'm looking for Jesus at work around me. I'm watching for him. A deeper awareness of his presence and work in my life and thankfulness. I, I have a spirit of gratefulness for all that he's done and continues to do in and through me. And if you want to know what to pray, he gets to that too. He doesn't ask for you know, prayers of protection and safety, which is very interesting. That's, well, that's what we typically pray for a lot. God, keep me safe. He asked that they pray that God would open a door to the message of Christ. And he asked that they pray that the message would be delivered clearly so that people could hear and respond. And I'm going to say more on that in just a minute. But, but, but then Paul says this. He says, okay, we're praying for the message and how we communicate it. Now, let's look beyond ourselves to these people outside the church, to the ones we live beside, we work with, we go to school with, and are even persecuted by. Yes, they, they put pressures on us. Pressures come from them too, but to, like, to live in certain ways, to conform to their rules, be like them. But they are our mission. They need the gospel desperately, just like we do. So how do we, how do we treat them? He says this, be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may uh, know how to answer everyone. How do we treat people outside of the faith? First, this, be wise in how you act towards outsiders, he says. And that means this, think about what you're doing. Think about who you're reaching. Be, be wise. Use your, use your brains. Put yourself in their shoes. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? What do people who don't yet know Jesus concern themselves with? What do they care about? What do they listen to? What do they watch on TV? What do they say and do on social media? Um, I spent eight weeks one summer in Kazakhstan, former Soviet Union, working with long-term missionaries there to reach people in that region and share the gospel. And, and what I learned is that good missionaries... Don't, don't just go right at somebody and get in their face with the Bible. It is all about understanding their culture, understanding the person. It's about learning their language so that you can speak on their terms. It's not about shouting at somebody across a crowded room and, and hoping that they will hear you and not carry one way or another. It's about getting up close, genuinely being interested in their life and their family and their hopes and their dreams. It's about listening really well before you speak. It's about um, as the ministry to high schoolers, young, young life likes to say, it's about earning the right to be heard. Now, there's no doubt about this. If you are a Christ follower, you are a missionary to our culture, which means we, we first have to understand who we're trying to reach. We, we have to know people around us. Our, our church has tried to do this from day one. Our goal has always been to get close to the ones who are far away to reach the ones who don't really honestly want to even go to church or sometimes uh, don't want to have anything to do with God. We've said it like this, that Love Lake Norman wants to reach Lake Norman families and singles who are looking for meaning. And, and while that might sound simple, there's been a lot of conversation and planning behind that. And the things that we do at church are all with these people in mind. All of this is so that, as Paul says, we can make the most of every opportunity. When we have an opportunity to share Jesus with somebody, we need to be ready. We need to be ready individually, and we need to be ready as a church, right? Here's how we look at it here. We, we partner with you to provide an environment 
in, in video or on Sunday mornings that, that, that help your friends connect with God in a meaningful way. We put thought into the songs that we pick, the messages that we give. We, we put thought into how you're greeted in the parking lot and, and what happens in our lobby. We believe that is uh, like really important because we know that people make up their minds about church about seven minutes or so into their experience. And you know what's happening in those first seven minutes? I'm not speaking. They don't see me. We've barely played any uh, like music yet, but people are coming and asking, can I see myself here? Do I relate to these people? Do they care about me? Is this a friendly place? Are my kids safe? Will they fit in here? And, and we wanna have all those answers be yes, because we don't want anything to get in the way of somebody hearing about Jesus and having him change their life. And so we go to great lengths building teams that help create environments where people can hear the life-changing message of Jesus in a language, in a place, in a, in a way that they can understand. And that takes work, guys. Like that takes effort and it's so worth it. By the way, that's why you should come and volunteer on a team here, because then you can become a key player in creating a place like that. And, and why do we go to all that effort? Why do we do that? Because lost people matter to God, and because of that, they matter to us. Paul continues on and he talks about what happens when we personally interact with people outside of, of the faith. And this is great because he gives some amazing advice here about what our conversations should be like on an individual basis. He says this, he says, let your conversations be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you can answer everyone. Now, I'm gonna say this first, this implies that you're having conversations, right? We get so comfortable in our own bubbles, in our own worlds with our faith. And, and we've gotten conditioned to believe that any conversation out loud about my own beliefs is, is like somehow a violation of yours, but that's not the case. That's not true. It's been said that Christianity is, is just this. It's one beggar showing another beggar where the, the food is. It's not me versus you trying to convince you of something, like sitting across a table arguing you into the kingdom of God. It is us standing on the same side, looking out over the horizon together, sharing what I've seen that maybe you just haven't seen quite yet. And so first of all, pray, like we read earlier, pray that God might open up a door to his message in the lives of the people you interact with on a daily basis. You don't have to go to Kazakhstan. You don't have to go anywhere except maybe like to your neighbor's house, okay? Or the basketball court or the playground or the school or Target or Walmart or wherever you normally go. Go to those familiar places, keep going, just go to them differently. Go with a simple prayer, God, open a door. And, and he will honor that prayer because that's the very thing he wants to do, open doors in people's lives. So, so pray that he'll open a door, but also pray for courage for yourself. God, when that door's open, give me the courage to step into it and give me the words to say. And Paul gives us great instruction when it comes to what we say. In, uh, in college, there was an area of our campus called the pit. And it was like a stepped down area of all brick in the center of campus where uh, everybody hung out between classes and had lunch and everything. But we also had pit preachers, what were called pit preachers. These guys would show up and they would yell at us and they would tell us we were basically gonna burn in hell for whatever sin that, that they were focusing on that day. And most people just stared at them or laughed at them or ignored them. Sometimes though people would engage usually with a lot of anger and a lot of shouting. And those conversations were most definitely not 
What Paul describes here when he says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. He says, full of grace, full of grace. Grace is undeserved forgiveness. It's undeserved kindness. And when you fill up your conversation with grace, is treating the person in front of you with dignity and respect and love, whether they've been kind to you or not. It's not making assumptions, you know, about their life, what they believe or what they've done. It's not judging them in any way because that's how Jesus sees, sees you. And then he says, season those conversations with salt. What does salt do? Well, it makes your food flavorful. It makes it taste better. There, there should be something about your conversation that is memorable, that has flavor for them, that, that may cause them to stop and pause. And it could be, hey, uh, my church is doing a new series called You Make Me Crazy, and it's all about how to deal with difficult people in your life, and you should come with me because you really make me crazy. No, uh, but like, I'm serious actually about that series. We're starting that series next week, and you can invite a friend to that. And that could be a way to season it with salt. Or it could be a comment that you make about your relationship with God or, or how you meet with your small group regularly or, or something that you're struggling with or whatever. Something that opens up a possible door for a future conversation together. Something that could pique their interest. So then Paul closes his letter. And he does it by giving some final greetings. And at, at first glance, it looks like he's just changing subjects. But, but I believe he's sharing one more way that living a life in Christ plays out in a life filled with pressures. He says this, Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother, he's a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, and I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. He's coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here fascinating that he mentions this guy Onesimus because what we know about him is that he was a runaway slave who had run away from a guy named Philemon and, and that likely through Paul's ministry, he had come to know Christ and been transformed. And so Paul is sending him back as a free man saying that Onesimus is quote, our, our, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. And it's his final reminder that the gospel restores everything. The gospel has the power to restore our relationship with God and our relationships with one another. And then he concludes his letter by naming uh, others who have been significant to him and to the church. Aristarchus, Mark, Epaphras, Luke the doctor, and Demas, all, all people who have labored beside him in, in the effort to reach the world. So we began this series with a key verse and, and that we could hold over all the book of Colossians, really, and, and, and all of what it looks like to follow Christ. Paul was saying, hey, if you're facing pressures in life, if, if you're feeling pressure to conform your faith to the world, and the Colossians certainly were, were as we are, if you're feeling pressure to give up your beliefs altogether, like you can get crushed like that soda can by, by all of those external pressures, but the truth is you don't have to. Now, there's a way to walk through this life where you don't have to answer to that pressure anymore. And it has to do with living in Christ, with putting yourself in his hands, letting him have control. And when you do that, you put yourself out of reach from the pressure. Colossians 2 says it like this. So then, 
just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. And if you want a life free from the pressures around you, I will say this along with Paul, live in him, dig roots deeply into your faith. That takes time and energy and focus and you may have to reorient yourself and reprioritize some things in your life, but you want roots that are deep, not that are shallow. So let those roots grow deep and give you a foundation to build from so that you become strong and thankful, like he says, which is the goal, not only that we ought to want for ourselves, that's the goal that Jesus wants to see accomplished in you as well. And living in and transforming you, well, that's how he wants to change the world around you. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for your word. I'm grateful for the book of Colossians that encourages and challenges us in so many amazing ways that even though we live a life with pressures all around, pressures to, to change our faith, pressures to conform our faith to the world, God, you're saying that as we live in Christ, as we step into and grow deep into a relationship with you, Jesus, that those pressures just kind of fade away, that they aren't as great as they may have felt earlier in our lives. And uh, and God, would you strengthen uh, those who are listening today? Would you strengthen us in our faith? Would you grow deep roots into our lives so that we can trust and rest and live from a deep place of relationship with you? We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for listening. You can find out more about Love Lake Norman at lovelkn.org. If you live in our area, we would love to have you join us on Sunday. If you're not near our church, we want to encourage you to find a life-giving church to be a part of where you live. That will be a key next step on your spiritual journey. Please take a minute, subscribe to this podcast, and keep up to date with our weekly messages. And thanks again for joining the Love Lake Norman podcast.